Welcome to another Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. JJ and the Bear back together again. Howdy. Here on a Friday. I'm JJ Cooper. That's Josh Norris. I'm JJ Coop 36. He's JNorris427 on Twitter. And uh, we're happy to have to be here together on a, a pretty cold day uh, here by North Carolina standards. That being said, we're not that far away. I, 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 I'm actually starting to think of spring training. I was just going to ask you before we started uh, on the air if we were thinking about spring training yet. And uh, I've been thinking about it. You've been thinking about it. At some point, we'll probably have a brawl for who gets to go to Arizona. I don't know. I don't think that would be fair. I mean, you're, you're much bigger than I am. But, um, but we are going to talk today prospects, which you probably expected. We're mainly going to focus today. We're going to take some, uh, some, some Twitter questions. But the main thing we're going to focus, kind of start out today, before we go to the questions, is, is talking about the Braves and the pretty massive amount of overhaul the Braves have done at the farm system level this, this offseason. Uh, a way I can put it is Monday we'll post an, I'm posting an SBA that will do an updated Braves top 20. Because, you know, we did 30 in the handbook, we did 10. Our 10, which went live December 10th, our top 10 for the Braves, you look at it now and it's like, Completely different. Yeah. Oh, he's not there. He's not there. And these guys are moving down. A whole lot of them. So, but I, I we, with that, looking at it, I, I, one way I can sum it up, in that top 20, nine guys in that, if you did it right now at this moment, updated Braves top 20, as I see it, I think probably as you see it too, nine of those guys are guys that they've brought in this offseason. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, a, it's an unbelievable overhaul on the fly of a farm system, and it's not the only overhaul that you know has been has gone on this uh, this off season. I mean, we've seen a couple teams just kind of remake themselves really quickly. We saw that. I mean, this is more at the major league level, but we saw the Padres do it, and they just completely you know wreck shop. I think they have eight of their uh, top thirty. I think they've traded away eight of their top 30 prospects this offseason. And the Tigers have dealt some guys, too. I mean, Eugenio Suarez is gone. Although R- technically not a prospect anymore, but yes. True. Uh, did Robbie Ray count this year? I think he did. Yeah, yeah uh, Robbie Ray was gone. And then, um, Domingo Leyva is gone. Devon Travis is gone. And then that's not counting during the season. You throw in uh, Willie Adames, right. Jake Thompson. Mm-hmm. J- uh, Corey Knebel. You know, but then you go back... I went back and looked at the Angels' top 30 list, and, and 11 of their top 30, I believe it was, don't have it in front of me, but I believe I counted up as 11 of their top 30 from last year are no longer in the uh, system, in the organization anymore. That's the changeover, too. Yeah, that's... You're bringing back trader... Which leads it back to this, which is, okay, so what was your impressions? Yesterday, we had really our first big move after... It, it, we had a nice little lull there for a couple of weeks. And it, the, Ricardo Sanchez for Nate Hyatt and uh, Kyle Kibitza. Yeah, I mean, that, that's my favorite kind of trade, one that absolutely nobody knows about until the team's Twitter feed announces it. But I mean, it seems to continue their, their, uh, their trend of... Uh, the Braves trend? The, the Braves trend, yes. Of acquiring um, uh, risky arms, risky pieces, and putting them into the farm system and hoping one hits. It just happened again and again and again this year with many Benuelos... Uh, we talk about Rich, Ricardo Sanchez, not injured, obviously, but 17 and, you know, not out of the complex ball. Uh, Max Freed, a guy that... Will not pitch probably significant innings till 2016. Right. They're just collecting lottery tickets, and one day they're going to sit down with a penny, and they're going to scratch them and see what they got. And really, if you look, they did trade away 
two players who were among their top 12 prospects by our pre-trade rankings, uh, Kyle Kubica mm-hmm. and and uh, Jason Shreve, who went to the Yankees in the Manny Banuelos trade, which we'll also talk about. Exactly what you said, the main thing that they've done, they've taken, when they, the prospects they traded away, and you really, if you want to, you could throw, you know, you got to throw... Uh, um, Dan Winkler? You know, well, no, I'm talking about guys that they sent away. Oh, okay. You, you have to throw um, Tommy LaStella into oh, yeah. this, too, as far as guys they traded away. They traded away close to the big league, low ceiling guys. And what they've gotten back is usually much further away, higher ceiling guys. So they're, right? they're buying low. Yeah. Well, they're, they're basically looking at, I mean, the reality is, is this is how the prospect <laughs> value works, and it makes sense. I mean, this is why we do the BA grades in the handbook, by the way. Prospect handbook, not too far away. You can order it now, baseballamerica.com slash store. Um, but with the prospect handbook, we do the BA grades. And with the BA grades, Kyle Kubica was a 45 medium. What that means is, is that in our projection, he's probably not going to be a long-term everyday regular. If he's a regular, he's a guy that you're probably looking to replace. Obviously, the Angels may have a higher evaluation of him than, than maybe we did. But that was our evaluation from talking to people from different teams. But he's a medium risk. He's already played double A. He's got a, a decent shot of being a big leaguer, not in the not too distant future. The Braves traded those guys away. Jason Shreve is a uh, you know is a forty five, but a low risk forty five in that he's a, a guy who had some success at the big league level last year. Uh, I would expect him to be you know part of the Yankees bullpen. Yeah, in twenty fifteen. And you want to talk about remakes? I mean, they're adding all sorts of guys on the cheap. Justin Wilson, Jason Shreve. David Carpenter, those guys. I'm sure I'm missing somebody here. But right, added, they're, they're they're trying to find cheap uh, or inex. I should say inexpensive. Not call them cheap, but inexpensive bullpen arms who can uh, who can help right away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and they they did get rid of Shane Green, which was a little strange, I thought. But they brought but, back well, Didi Gregorius. They got, they got a shortstop. I mean, that's what they they got a shortstop back. He's going to be their everyday shortstop. You know that you have to give something up for that. But. Um, but no, but what? But with the Braves, like you said, the guys they've gotten back are almost to a man high ceiling guys who are a whole lot riskier. Uh, the Braves, if we look at this in 2018, you can always say this with prospects, but much more with this group. The guys that they've brought in, we could be looking at it and say, well, one of those five key guys they brought in worked out. Of eight, well, eight or nine key guys. One of them worked out, oh, but that one could be really good. Or we could say, ah, oh, three of them worked out. That really worked out well for them because, as you said, Sanchez is a <laughs> he's a long, long way, way away, you know. And then go beyond that. That was nice. We had a little. Yeah. You know, I, I, next time I'll kind of go up an octave. And that know. sounds like someone to cut out for a future podcast yeah. intro. <laughs> but uh, uh, but you have that. But then you have Max Freed. Obviously, you're. You don't get Max Freed in this kind of deal if Max Freed was healthy and was through 120 innings last year in, right. in full season ball. Try to get a high ceiling guy normally who hasn't had some sort of pockmark or wart on him. Call, call Billy Bean and say, hey, I got Jeff Samarja. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you got to give up something of, of magnitude. <laughs> um, but you, 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 know, you look at it that way. Uh, the, they brought in, and, and this is, they brought into a system that lacked. That was one of the worst farm systems in baseball. When this offseason began, 
we talked about the Angels. I'd probably still say the Angels. But, but the Braves were in the discussion. They didn't have high-ceiling guys. They, they just, they, they lacked them. Especially high-ceiling guys who have really much of a chance of reaching that ceiling. I mean, they were number one. You've seen it up on, you know, up at BaseballAmerica.com right now. Number one, Jose Peraza. Okay, every day, second baseman, maybe as soon as this year. Lucas Sims. Yeah. Number, he's, he's a starter, but what, depending on when you see him, uh, I'm probably the lowest of the low on Lucas Sims because I just couldn't catch him good in three tries last year. So, but, you know, people to a man say he's somewhere in the rotation. Right. But Jason Hirsch, you know, potential. Who's Albies? Albies is the high ceiling guy, but he's also five foot nine, you know, so it's kind of hard to say. When you say high ceiling for a guy who's very small, that kind of lowers his ceiling often. Well, high ceiling for a guy who's really smaller. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got plenty of headroom. <laughs> but um, but you got past that. I, I when we're doing these handbook, the, the handbook again. I love the BA grades. One of the things to me is is that the fifty high, the fifty high is the meat of the book in many ways. In that, fifty highs are not top hundred prospects, but fifty highs. As we put it, the BA grade, a 50 on a BA grade means you have a, your ceiling, your, like, your likely ceiling is that of an everyday regular. So that's a guy who, in your farm system, who could project as an everyday regular. But the high risk means that there's a pretty high chance he will not reach that ceiling. There's a, every farm system should have a number of 50 highs. Because, and really to me, that's kind of the demarcation line. Once you go below the 50 highs, when you're looking at a 45 high in the book. Yeah, you're either a reliever. Right. Or, or you're pretty limited. Right. And if you're a 40, again, if you're a 45 low, you're close to the big league's useful role player probably. If you're a 45 high, what we're really saying is this isn't a farm system where you've run out of guys that you look at and say, that's a potential everyday, solid everyday regular who's a long ways away. You're below that level then. The Braves, when this offseason started, that demarcation line was at like number 13 for them. So once you got past number 13 in the Braves' top 30, you were below the 50 high level. You were then talking about 45 highs and 40 mediums and things like that. That's thin. That's very thin. They've brought in, with these trades, they have brought in eight players who grade at 50 high or better. So, That's impressive. It's really impressive. Now, I'll ask you the question, though. As you just said, there's a lot of these guys. Are, you know, when, what do you, when do you, if this works out, how far away do you think it is before we're starting to see the fruits for this for the Braves? A couple years. I mean, I'll take... The guy that I'm most familiar with in that scenario is Banuelos, and I got you ranked him in the rank in the Yankees. Yeah, uh, I don't remember where, but uh, number fourteen, I believe. Give a little. I'll give a little one thing away. That's not giving much away. All right, <laughs> you remember my order better than, you, better than I do. Either way, uh, I ranked him uh, this year, and I ranked him last year. He's he's got all sorts of talent. And we've ranked him overall a long time now in the Yankees list. Yeah, and he's still very young. He's 23, going to be mm-hmm. 24 in March, I believe. Um, and he's, he was different this year before the surgery. He was a dynamic fastball change of curveball guy. Uh, and this year they added him a slider cutter and 
it, it just looked everything looked a grade lower. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's you know, he missed essentially two years. He had the Tommy John, and he didn't pitch almost all of the the year previously. The right. until he, the Tommy he, John, he did, the, he did the Max Freed. And I'm I'm never I mean I understand people are afraid of getting cut you know you want to avoid getting cut off you can but when you have that we're gonna you know when you have that kind of uncertainty and then you wait and wait then you end up missing a lot more time yeah I mean, he, they they kept him out in the beginning of March with I think it was they said it was a back thing because he pitched in Scranton in the cold and then you said they said it was a bone bruise and you, he was back on the mound throwing bullpens and then boom in September or October whenever it was they announced TJ and it was are you kidding me you lost it. You're going to lose two years of development on this kid. But in any and, case, everything came back looking a grade lower, and they, was, they obviously monitored him pretty hard this year. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Braves do with him, if they do something different than what the Yankees would do to him, if they scrap the slider cutter, if they do things to, to change him. But this is a big year for him. And when you say he I mean, he didn't pitch an uh, official pitch in 13. So uh, Did he? No, I'm, not, I'm looking at it right now. On the prospect handbook, did not play injured. So... Many. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you are talking, and he didn't, he only threw six, he only had 24 innings in 2012. Right. So, when you say, I mean, like you say, came back this year, but you're right, it missed, you know, didn't throw it all last year, I mean, 13, in 13, I should say, I'm sorry, in 13, didn't throw much the year before that. You are talking, you're, if you're a Braves fan, your hope is there was some rust there. And then, given another year away from the injury, you are you're, you're hoping. Then you're saying, okay, the stuff picked back up a grade. Yeah, if you want or a half grade, if you want to see what the Braves are looking at as far as potential, you want to see his, his his shining moment. Go to a few spring trainings ago and watch his outing against the Red Sox, and that was you know he was he was lights out that day. Oh, that was uh, when I, Manny Benuelos, I mean, that was, that like, was when wait. the train started. I mean, and that that was when there were Yankees fans who were screaming like, "How's this guy not in the rotation?" I remember a moment before that when he was pitching in the playoffs against New Hampshire. He was pitching against Edward, Edwin Encarnacion, and he made him look foolish. He was up to 97 that day. So uh, he, was, he was awesome. Again, you got him. You got Max Fried, who pre-injury was one of the better young pitching prospects in the game. Again, he's going to miss effectively two seasons because they tried to rehab him. And then after rehabbing him, they uh, ended up seeing that he had to have Tommy John. So he effectively didn't pitch. I mean, you can really. I know he, he did lock innings this year. You could throw that. I mean, it was very few, and he was not right, and you could throw it out. Um, and he's not going to pitch really in much at all, if at all, in 2015. So you got that. you got Tyrell Jenkins, who missed significant time with a shoulder injury. But again, I would say that Jenkins of these three – the difference between Freed, Banuelos, and Jenkins is, is that Freed and Banuelos have shown more of it at the pro level than Jenkins from the standpoint of Jenkins has not really had... Jenkins has always been a guy who has plenty of stuff, but he's really not yet had a stretch where you go, wow, that's what we're, look, that's what we're expecting. He's always been... The, the way when you talk to scouts about Tyrell Jenkins, it always seems to come back to there's a lot to like there. But the sum of the parts has not added up to what you would expect yet. Well, again, they got him, you know, and Shelby Miller uh, in the Hayward trade. They're, he's not the key p- player in that piece, you know, piece in that deal. But 
he is another guy that they can very well look at and say, if it all comes together. I mean, there's a lot. And Ricardo Sanchez is is very much an if it all comes together guy. Is it? I mean, is it crazy to think that Ricardo Sanchez is the least risky of these guys? Because he's got he's got clean bill of health. Yeah, I would still say though. Would you say seventeen? He just hadn't had a chance to have the. You know, I mean, he 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 hasn't come through the injury nexus yet from the <laughs> standpoint of he hasn't gotten to twenty one still healthy. You know, that's that's a a, a big test. Um, flipping it over, looking at it from the angel side, I, I have you know again, I, I initial viewpoint on that was man, I gotta like that trade for the Braves because Ricardo Sanchez, number two prospect in the angel system coming into this, admittedly, you know. Not number two, and I think I can't remember if it's in number two or number three after the uh, Heaney uh, added was added to the organization. But you know, it's that that's an Angels list. The Angels list isn't very strong, but high ceiling potential starter, all that. But you look at it for the Angels, and really, I, I know where I put it. This trade comes back to this is a trade done because Caleb Cowart has kind of fallen flat. And if you were looking back two years ago, you'd say, okay, that was before they got David Freeze, but, you know, Caleb Cowher was going to be their third baseman in the future. Well, David Freeze is going into his final year of, you know, of his contract, and considering his age and all, I don't think that there's a whole lot of reasons if you're the Angels that you're saying, okay, well, we want to re-up him for, you know, multiple more years after that. If that's the case, you've got to look, okay, do they have an option in-house? to kind of at least be grooming. And Caleb Cowart's coming off of back-to-back seasons where he posted sub-620 OPSs in the Texas League. That's not going to fly. That's, that, you, I mean, he was left off the 40-man, Rule 5 eligible, not picked by anyone, and not surprisingly not picked. What that means, though, is, is they don't have a, a third baseman to, to kind of look for as a possible replacement. Well, that's where Kubica comes in. You know, Kubica... Is not a great defender over there, but he's okay. Um, you know, needs to be a little bit more reliable. He's not a great hitter, but he gets he has on base skills. He's a left-handed hitter that need that's useful for them because they're pretty right-handed heavy uh, at the big league level. And then this is where did you see Hyatt pitch this year in Lynchburg? I don't think so. I don't recall. I think him. I saw. Him. I may have seen him once. Well, but if you did, you were with me because I don't think you saw Lynchburg. I thought I saw Lynchburg one time without you, but I could be wrong. I could be mixing my ears. Um, but this is where we are in 2015 to me, is, is that Hyatt was, you know, 93, 94 normally, uh, but he did touch some 98s and 99s at his best. And that makes him a useful throw-in, who did not, you know, who did not make the Braves top 30. Like, again, my brain cannot, you know, I, I understand it. I start to process it when, when you... When I try to put when I put together a list of guys who threw 100 in the minors last year, and you get over 50 guys, and you find guys who are Rule Five eligible weren't picked, and you understand why they weren't picked, like the world has changed. But that being said, he's a power arm who will be in Double A next year for the Angels. You know, when you're in Double A as a power arm reliever, you could be you know it just the right combination comes together, you could be in the big leagues next year. Yeah, and you just, you're you're alluding to velocity here. I think next this year what we want to bear down and do is just see how many games whoever goes to games can go without seeing a guy touch 95 once. I think I want to see. It's gonna be hard to do. I, I I think there was one game last year that I recall that people were like topping at 92 
And I left going, really? What? When When did this happen? We might figure out how to do a Burlington game. It's possible to do a Burlington, like an Appy League game, if on the right night. Ooh, I don't know about that. They have, the, no, the yeah, be always hard. has you're the right, one actually. guy throws 97. You're actually, you're right, because I think about it, like when I saw them versus, Burlington versus the E-Twins, and it was like, you had starter for Burlington was 95, a reliever who followed him was 95, and then the, yeah, yeah especially then Jake the, Reed came in, it was like, 97, 88. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you know, we, again, I, I always go back to that August Lakewood-Greensboro game we saw where none of the pitchers that were involved in that game were elite prospects for either team, but we probably saw four guys throw 94, you know, 93, 94 that day. Yeah, so I mean, normal. 95 is the number I wanted to hone in on, but because it's obviously halfway between 90 and 100. But I, I think in the fall league, you saw, if you saw a guy saw a guy who looks like uh, David Eckstein built... And he was throwing 97. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, it is it is truly crazy now. Um, but, so, I, I do think that the thing that stands out is, is that one of the advantages of when you make a changeover, we've seen this, I mean, the, the teams that have been the busiest as far as making a lot of moves are generally teams where you have had a changeover in the front office. And one of the reasons for that... A.J. Preller, if you're the Padres, for one, you're looking to change things up. But for two, these aren't your guys. Some of them are going to become your guys. But there's a difference between trading away prospects that you drafted and trading away prospects that were from the previous regime. Because, for one, I think that sometimes different regimes value players differently. And for two, you don't have that same... Kind of, I mean, you trade away, a lot of times a guy gets traded away, there's a feeling of, okay, did I, you know, is that admitting a mistake? That's not a really concern if you're the new GM. I mean, if you're if you're the Braves, the Braves looked at this quite clearly. John Hart and his front office looked at it and said, we don't feel like, I, I don't ask me to explain the Marquesas deal part of this, but we do not feel like that we are really a, uh, a team that could win the World Series next year. We're... So we're going to make moves to help ensure that we can try to do that down the road. And that's what it looks like to me. Uh, what, is that how you yeah, see it? Yeah, I mean, that seems about right. I mean, they dealt away their, their star, their face. Not, uh, I guess Andres and Simmons is probably closer to their face. But they traded away. Or Freddie Freeman. But uh, I'm talking about Upton. And, and Hayward. Yeah, and Hayward. Th- both those guys. I mean, that's clearly that's. They traded stars. And the thing about this is, even by trading stars, I mean, this is where the thing about today, like, if they if they do dip because of this, if they end up being a 70-75 win team next year, well, one thing about that is, is nowadays, having a high draft pick is a much different story than it was 10 years ago, in that if you have a high, you know, if you have high picks, you're going to have significantly more money in the draft. It makes more money, and internationally, that's going to be important to them, too. But sorry, Braves fans, it is, as you probably know if you're a Braves fan, it's, there's going to be a, winter is here uh, for a little while. Yeah, and if you, especially if you're going to look up at, uh, at Washington for a while. Who's got a better farm system and better yeah. big league talent. Yeah, they're the, the pipeline of pitchers they have. Or if you're going to look at the Marlins, who might have the best outfield in that division. Stanton, Ozuna, Yellick. Yeah. I mean, okay, better than the Braves. Braves right now is uh, B.J. Upton, 
uh, Evan Gaddis and uh, Markakis. I'd definitely take it over that. You want it over Worth, Harper, Span? I probably would, especially because Worth hurt. Yeah, Worth just had the surgery, so it's going to be Taylor. And they, they trade it. Wouldn't they like to have Sousa right now? <laughs> I think they'll be okay. I think they're, they're still a, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, like I said, Taylor, I was going to say, they, Span, especially because they have Michael Taylor, who had, you know, plenty of double-A time last year himself. But we did want to move into some of our uh, questions. We've got a lot of questions here, which thank you guys for that. Uh, again, I'm JJ Coop 36 He's Jay Norris 427 And I was always, as you know, and I'm sure you're following, at Baseball America is the, uh, the main, uh, which all of us read that and see that too. But uh, I'll start with one that's teed up for you here, Josh. You don't have to give away exactly where they, but Travis Lincoln, LPD Lincoln, asks, any of the New York Yankees 2014 international free agents make their top 20 prospects? I believe so. I mean, again, I there's a, I'll put it this way: if you're interested in that, you could do a lot of reading in the handbook. There's a again, I don't remember exactly what what order I put everybody in or how it sh- uh, shook down, but there are a lot of guys from this big class in there, and obviously they still could add more. Win- and if and when, I guess it, when Moncada gets unlocked by OFAC. Um, but you're going to see... That's uh, a great phrase, when Moncada gets unlocked by OFAC, which I know exactly what you're saying, but that is, that's a funny phrase. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's under cage right now. Um, you're going to have guys like Dermis Garcia in there. Uh, Juan De Leon is in there. Uh, there's some other guys who are in there whose names are escaping me right now. But there's, I think there's four or five guys from this year's big spend who are in there right now. Uh, so... So, I, you know, and that was, I think, pretty vital for the Yankees because that Yankees list, that Yankees list is one that could look a whole lot better in a couple of years. Yeah. Because it's not that great right now. It's okay, not, but not terrible, but not great. It's pretty good. I mean, if this is a big year for, uh, for Jorge Mateo, who hasn't been able to stay healthy because of a couple freak injuries. Um, but he's, I mean, people love Jorge Mateo. People were asking about him at the trade deadline. I like Greg Bird a lot. Um, like it was hard not to fall in love with him at the fall league because he was just hitting everything, and that swing from the left side was was just gorgeous. Um, and I've been on the Severino bandwagon since day one. No, you you are you are driving that train. I, mean, I, I like him too. I'm not saying I agree with you, but and I saw him, I saw his worst start of his career. I still <laughs> like him. <laughs> um, but uh, okay. Well, moving on to question number two, what would a Cards Phillies deal look like for Hamels? This is from. Gerald Andriol, GLA underscore three, III, uh, would the Phillies be able to get Alex Reyes? I, I think if, if they worked out a deal, I think the Phillies could get Alex Reyes. I will tell you this. If, the, if Alex Reyes ended up being the cornerstone guy of the deal, I'd be a little worried about that. When we talk about kind of the shooting for the moon type prospect, that's Alex Reyes. I mean, that's like... Uh, if, if the Braves, that's the kind of guy that the Braves have gotten, but a healthy version. Because Reyes, if he's great, if it all comes together. I mean, again, I think I've told the story on the podcast, but the one time I've ever seen Reyes live, the first inning, I, I came here, it was in the first like week and a half that I was at BA, and I was just looking on uh, MILB to see which guys were pitching. I said, like, oh, okay, Alex Reyes is pitching. I really don't know who this guy is. Let me see what kind of bonus he got. Oh, he got a really big bonus. Let me go see him at Burlington. And the first inning, he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, and I feared for my life. He struck out eight guys in that game, and I think a total of 25 pitches, which uh, they didn't have a chance against him. So I, he's nasty. Yeah, I mean, he is, as as far as pure stuff, 
his ranks with anyone in the game, really. I mean, like... Fastball, curveball, change. It's and really good. I, I watched a, a, an outing of his in spring training where I saw him strike out a guy where on back-to-back curveballs, he got the guy to duck to basically bail out on strikes. Now, all that being said, you know, he was in the Midwest League, talked to a lot of people in the Midwest League about him, scouts and all, and, and you see him on his best night, it was really good. You see him on his worst night, it's really and it bad. was frightening. And again, that's what I'm saying, though, is, is like if Reyes is the second guy that they get back in a Hamels deal, I follow it. But they've got to get one of those closer to the big league type arms. They got to get, get back. Marco Gonzalez. Carlos Martinez. Sure, Carlos Martinez. To me, Carlos Martinez makes, you know, like if you like, if you're the Phillies and you like Martinez, he's the perfect kind of guy to be kind of the, you know, he, he hasn't become so entrenched in St. Louis that he's not, that he's untouchable or anything like that. At this point, I don't think you're getting Michael Walker in the deals. I guess no, I don't think so. But Martinez has a chance to be a very valuable big league ready guy, whereas Reyes is the guy who just finished low A and walked a ton of guys in low A. You can't, to me, I guess what I'm saying is, is you can't build a trade around Reyes, but I think you could get him in that deal, and I do think that if you did, you know, that it'd be a very nice pickup for the Phillies, uh, an organization that could use some high ceiling talent uh, to dream on down the road. Yeah, and the, we talked earlier, before the year last year, about the outfielders the Cardinals have. Unfortunately, one has passed on. Um, and no, I, one, I, one has I, been I traded. Think, you can get I Steve Piscotti. Richick or Piscotti, yeah. you know, is obviously, obviously makes a, a key, it makes sense in this deal, too. And that's where I've seen, like, kind of the rumors seem to be the more of those closer to the big league guys. You know, a Grichik or a Piscotti and a Martinez or a Gonzalez, something like that. And while we're talking about this, the Phillies also could be talked about as a team that has done a little bit to improve their farm system this offseason. Yeah. The Adatom win, their double-A rotation, at least to begin the year, stands to be a prospect every day. Uh, Jesse Biddle, mm-hmm. Aaron Nola, Zach Eflin, Tom Wendell, Ben Lively. Yeah. That's, and three of those were acquired this offseason. Yes, three of those were acquired. Hey, uh, I give them credit. They, they should have been doing this a while back, but they did. They finally have started to realize that building your team around 35-year-olds is probably not going to pay off. And if they don't choose to deal Cole Hamels to the Cardinals or anyone this offseason, if they can get Cliff Lee healthy at the deadline and prove he's healthy, they can flip him for quite a package, I'd think, well, you, to you, a contender. The funny thing is, you think that... They have to do better than a lot of the previous Cliff Lee deals because the previous Cliff Lee deals have often not turned out very well. No, no, through no fault of Cliff Lee's. <laughs> yes, it's not Cliff Lee's fault. <laughs> Cliff but, Lee is not making the negotiations. But okay, well, Louis Frontera. We're going to go back to the Braves here. This is Lfront underscore ninety seven. Asks, think Malik Spiff, just acquired by the Braves in you know in that uh, massive deal, uh, hits enough at the upper levels to develop into a regular center fielder at the big league level. That's just, that's all you. I, I will say no. I think that he could be a very useful player. I I would not rule it out. Um, I say that partly through experience because I guess Gerard Dyson hasn't become an everyday center fielder, but Gerard Dyson has become a 100-game-a-year center fielder. And Gerard Dyson, Malik Smith is significantly further along as a hitter than Gerard Dyson was at a similar point in his career. Malik Smith, the things you like about it is, is that he knows how to bunt, Top, you know, top-notch speed, knows how to bunt. In his second year in the Midwest League, he made some significant improvements, got to move on and up. 
But the questions are going to be, the bat is one of those that, we talk about B.A. Graves. He's a guy that right now you throw probably a 50 high on him because there is that chance he could be an everyday guy, high risk of that. You also could throw a 45 medium on him in that I see him having a good chance to be a very solid role player whose defense, whose speed, whose ability to be a guy who kind of, especially in the NL, you know, comes in in late innings, maybe you, you pitchers up, you bring him in to bunt, you know, or to try to get on, steal second, and set up, start something. So let's say that the Braves do make the postseason this year. Mm-hmm. You know who he is? <laughs> he's Terrence Gore. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's not he, – he's, I mean, he could do that, right? Yes, I, absolutely he could do that. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was one of the – you know, one of the best base dealers in the league, you know, in base, minor league baseball last year, he, he can absolutely do that and with a better bat than Terrence Gore. So, that, you know, again, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting one kind of to keep an eye on. They've got another, a number of interesting guys in that, uh, you know, in that trade who are useful. Dustin Peterson, uh, you know, Jace Peterson, you know, useful guys. It'll be interesting to kind of watch. Um, Is the Yankees opening day starter a foregone conclusion? Assuming health, yeah. I think that's going to be Masahiro Tanaka. I would think so. I would hope so. Um, but uh, here's, here's one I think that's keyed up for you, too. Uh, why does Chris Bryant not have the same contact questions Baez has when they both have similar contact and K rates? That's from Tyler Dunaway at TW Dunn. JJ? Um, because they haven't had the same. They've had. There's been a difference in that. Okay. For Chris Bryant's career, looking at K rates here. So last year, which is really his first full season, Chris Bryant struck out about 27% of the time and walked 14.5% of the time. Javier Baez, let's take similar levels. I'll give you on strikeout rate. Strikeout rate was pretty similar. But Javier Baez never walked more than, like, the best walk rate in his career is... 7.9%. 7.9%. Generally, it's been less than that. And his strikeout rate obviously went through the roof. Um, uh, you know, went through the roof pretty much when he hit the big leagues. Now, again, if you wanted to argue that, okay, the strikeout rates are somewhat similar, but Chris Bryant's always walked more. Chris Bryant has always um, really, you know, has, has kind of got a longer track record of a solid of having a, a strikeout rate on the upper end, but at the usable upper end. Javier Baez has had stretches where it's been a little bit beyond that. Um, and he's never, really what it comes down to this, he's never walked. If you're walking with it, there's some patience in there that gets you in counts. Uh, Javier Baez has not demonstrated that patience. It is a little frightening, you know, it's good to kind of bring him up, that it, it is a little frightening that, you look at Javier Baez and what he's done the you know winter ball this year in Puerto Rico, it's been awful. No other way to put it. I mean, again, it's short. I don't ever try to put too much stock in winter ball stats because I had someone ask me about Jesse Winker. It's like, but he tore up the AFL, so why wouldn't Winker be ready to you know compete for a starting job? And the answer is, is Jesse Winker had a great 68 at-bats in the AFL. Javier Baez has had a bad 75 at-bats in Puerto Rico. 
That being said, you should not be striking out at the rate that he's striking out. He's striking out just as bad there. You was hoping to see improvement. Puerto Rico should be where he can make more contact. Well, in Puerto Rico last year, the, the breakout, the big, big name, big producer was Michael Taylor. And he did the same thing mm-hmm. in the in the pros. Uh, in double A. Yeah, sure. in double A and triple A. Not much in triple A because he didn't get much time there. Uh, but also John Singleton. He tore the heck out of the ball in Puerto Rico this year and then came to the Astros eventually and did not. And that's, uh, again, Puerto Rico is not somewhere where you say, okay, that you should be, that's not something where you say, okay, that's an easy translation to the big leagues. Right. I mean, I think if I recall, I, I, I know I did a piece on, you know, which league is the, 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 the best uh, competition mm-hmm. in those. And Puerto Rico was now near the bottom. It's, if, you're, if you're in Mexico, you're going to face crafty lefties, righties, crafty everythings, veterans of millions of years with, you know, funny stuff. And in Puerto Rico, you're going to face... Hard-throwing. Yeah. In Australia... That's... In Australia, you're going to get to see the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> um, uh, there's another question here I liked, um, which was, who are we most um, excited to see make his full-season debut? Uh, they mentioned Ahmed Rosario, Franklin Barreto. Norberto Paulino asked this, at Norberto Paulino. And Rafael Devers, and... etc. too. So yeah, you yeah. You can take anyone off Well, the I'm going to take etc. but... Um, I don't think we're going to get to see Barreto here, period, because he plays for the A's system and they don't come here, that I remember. But we'll get to see Rosario at some point with Savannah and Devers with Greenville. Um, I will take Devers because I have heard nothing but amazing things from Ben Badler, and Ben Badler is usually right on these things. See, I could play the personal card, which is I've seen Devers um, and I've seen Barreto. So, uh, so from that standpoint, hmm, but no, actually, a Devers is to me. I think Devers could be one of the dominant players in the Saturday this year. It'll be fascinating to watch. Um, you know, Barreto will be. I'll be watching him on MLB, MILB TV because you're, again, you're you're talking about a, a very interesting guy and guy breaking into a new organization, as you mentioned. You know, he'll want to be proving you know what they got. Um, Whichever guys the Yankees send to Charleston from their crop of dudes. Yeah, but those guys are a couple of years away. Most, well, I mean, not, not just not, the, not their 2014 international crop necessarily, but a guy like Alex Palma could be up there. They were aggressive with him. I could see, uh, I guess it wouldn't be his debut, but I wouldn't be surprised if Luis Torrens is back there. Uh, again. You, know, you know a guy I'd be interested to see? And there's at least a chance we could see him here? Greensboro. Oh, Tyler Kolek. Tyler Kolek. Yeah, oh yeah, I've been drooling over that. Spencer Adams with uh, either of the affiliates if they choose to send him up here. But Tyler Kolick, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see because Tyler Kolick, as everyone knows, through 100 in high school, Velo dropped off a little bit as a, you know, to a 93-94 as a pro. You know, how dare he? But uh, it'll be interesting to see what his stuff looks like. And again, I don't know for sure that he's going to make it to Greensboro right away. But if he does, we will be there a lot. You know, and it's, it's funny we talk about all these 100-mile-an-hour throwers. I didn't get one real 100 on my gun last year. Not not one. I got a lot of 144s from, like, off the bat and whatever. But no real 100s last year. Dude, I'm trying to remember if I did either. I don't think I did either. I think that was kind of amazing. I saw quite a great deal of 99s. Bernardo Lopez definitely gave us some 99s. He gave me the best 99 I've ever seen with the, the one pitch. I remember you, you had the gun. I turned to you and I asked if it was a changeup. And you showed me the gun. It's a 99. I, my jaw kind of unhinged like I was some sort of Amazon snake. Um, 
It, it will be, again, we're not that far away, and that's what's exciting about no, it. No, but before that, and if you really want to take this away from being a prospect podcast handbook, uh, or pod, prospect handbook podcast, if I know how to order my words, college season's coming up, too. Uh, we're, we're, we are literally not far more than a month away from that. I was looking at that last night, and we're going to start the season here, depending on what kind of drive you want to make. See Nathan Kirby at EC, ECU to start the year, uh, May 8th, if you want to drive to... Charlottesville, you get to see Michael Machuela maybe versus Nathan Kirby, depending on when their teams yeah, start. We can see Machuela here all the time. Oh, I know, but I'm pointing. This is a really nice. But but again, there will be there will be, be a lot of interesting with you know college baseball, high school baseball, NHSI is not that far away, which is always exciting uh, here. It's guaranteed to be super cold that week. Yeah, it always is. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so it is, and the prospect handbook is that the thing that we have to celebrate is the prospect handbook. Is at the printer now. Yes, um, it's, it might be back from the printer. No, it's not. No, no, no. It's at the printer. We get the proof today, and then, but we are not that far away from them actually printing the handbooks. When they print the handbooks, then they ship them here. When they ship them here, then we ship them out. And if you are wondering, again, I know there's other ways you can buy it. The advantage always of buying it from Baseball America directly is you will get it first. Once we get it, we ship it out. We'll ship it out. You will have it in your hands before Amazon or any of the other you know places you can get it has even gotten their hands on it to start thinking about putting it out or or shipping it. So it's not that far away, and we're very excited. We're very excited about that because we always are very proud of that book. We're also very excited because it is a ton of work, and it always feels really good when we're done with it. Because yes, it really is. It's a life-changing experience. It's like, I don't have the handbook hanging over my head tonight. That'd be nice. It's uh, like our collective child that we've birthed. Right. It always is right around Christmas. It's always pretty crazy. Um, our gift to you. But, uh, but so we really do, you know, if you haven't ordered it yet, we would really strongly suggest that you do. Because if you're, if you're enjoying this podcast, this is, I mean... There are 900 reports in there plus. We do some in the appendix of guys who hadn't signed yet from Cuba, Korea, things like that. And it's it's in depth, it's fun, it's it's what we enjoy doing. But thank you for all the questions. I'm sorry we didn't actually I'm gonna do, we'll do one more. because um, I, I was kind of interested in this one too. Uh, Dustin Dietz, that's at Dustin Dietz eighteen asks Curious to know your thoughts on Nick Williams. Plate discipline makeup concerns, but dude can barrel up anything. Dustin, I think you just did a perfect, if you were going to do a Twitter scouting report on Nick Williams, that's a pretty good one. Well, uh, let, me, let me say this. If you'd like to know more about Nick Williams, you can refer to our Scouts Video View uh, series that we did in the middle of the year. We did Nick Williams. Uh, and they talked about how fantastic his hands were. Great hands. Yep, he needs to, but he does have plate discipline. The hands are actually, a, the funny thing is, is I think hands are part of the problem. His hands are so good that... It causes him issues. And they, they, one of the scout in question mentioned that he runs like he's holding two suitcases, which when you, walk, which you, when you watch him, if you remember the, the, the video where they photoshopped a parrot onto Edwin Encarnacion, you could photoshop a pair of suitcases into uh, Nick Williams' uh, hands while he runs. That's not to say he's terribly slow, but he's not fast either. But he does have outstanding hands, which leads to the ability to catch up to anything, to make contact with anything. Again, that's been a problem with him so far, but it is also what makes him very interesting. Um, I, I, again, I, I think 
more of those guys than not don't end up being as good as you hope they would be. Every now and then one of them does, and when they do, it's pretty special. Yeah. So that's that's what that's a little short uh, thoughts on uh, on Nick Williams. So we're gonna wrap this up for today. We're gonna try to be back uh, again next week. You know, we'll try to. I think on Monday, I'm hoping to have a special podcast with one of our our newest uh, uh, teammates here. Maybe an introductory podcast with our new guy, who you yeah. will meet on Monday. Cool. But uh, for Josh Norris, Jay Norris four two seven. I'm JJ Cooper, JJ Cooper. 36. We uh, do appreciate the uh, the listen, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. So long, everybody. Going really? What? When? When did this happen? We might figure out to do a Burlington game. It's possible to do a Burlington, like an Appy League game, if on the right.